Hi friends, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 56 and I'm talking with Maggie Dials. Maggie is a runner, she's a CrossFitter. She's the Regional Vice President of Life Sciences Enterprise Sales at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. She lives right here in Indianapolis, right down the street from me. We see each other on the Monon all the time. Maggie is a new mom to sweet little Penny who is seven months old. She has two dogs and she's been married to her husband, Josh, for 10 years. We go all over the place with this episode. It's a lot of fun. We start with her career and then we get into a little bit of fundraising. I was super intrigued because a few years ago she ran for the Woman of the Year campaign for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and she raised $67,000 in 10 weeks. That is insane to me. And as someone coming from a nonprofit background, I was really intrigued by how she went about doing that. So we talk about that a little bit. We also talk about her experiences being a new mom and her decision, her and Josh's decision to wait a little while to have children. And then we get a little bit personal. We talk about 2016 was such a big year for Maggie. She had a new baby. Her dad passed away of Parkinson's disease. And we kind of just walked through that process and, and what that looked like for her and I was really appreciative that she opened up to me and to you guys about something so personal in her life. Maggie is so strong and fun and funny, and I know you guys are going to enjoy her outgoing personality in this episode. She's got really good recommendations at the end for books and shows, of course. Great pop culture segment at the end. So this week I'm going to do a giveaway for a $25 gift card to Athletic Annex. It is a local Indianapolis-based running store, so since Meggie is local to the Indianapolis area, I thought I would do a fun local giveaway. So for all new ratings and reviews on iTunes this week, you have until next Friday, March 31st, I'm going to enter you in to win a $25 gift card to Athletic Annex. Leave your Twitter handle, your Instagram handle, or your email in that review so I can contact the winner. So the reason this is so important is the more ratings and reviews I have on iTunes, the easier it is for potential new listeners to find the show. So it is a huge, huge help. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, you guys can head over to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. I have three bonus episodes loaded up on Patreon for Patreon supporters, and I have a new one dropping soon. So I want to thank Now Foods for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Now Foods is a family-owned company, and they are a supplier of natural healthcare products such as vitamins, supplements, protein powders, essential oils, sports nutrition, natural foods, pet health. If you guys are due to get a new multivitamin or anything like that, check out Now Foods. You know I love the creamy vanilla plant protein complex. I use that after all my hard workouts from them and we also buy our vitamins and supplements from them as well. You guys can go to now-2-u.com enter the promo code ANOTHER ALL CAPS to save 25% off your next order. When you purchase something from Now Foods, you're, you're directly supporting this podcast since they are a partner of the show. So I appreciate everybody who's checked out Now Foods and I appreciate Now Foods for sponsoring this episode of I'll Have Another Podcast. Go to now-2-u.com Enter promo code another all caps to save 25% off your entire order. All right, you guys can find me on Instagram, lindsayhine626, and you can also find me on Twitter, at lindsayhine. Okay, enjoy my conversation with Maggie. We are talking with Maggie Dials. Hello, Maggie. Hi. How are you? 
I'm great. This is fun. I'm excited about this. Yes, this is actually fun because, well, they're all fun, but we actually know each other in real life and live like three miles from each other. Absolutely. And see each other on the Monon or at the Y. Actually, I was at the Y this morning, so I thought I was going to see you. Mm -hmm. Well, you go earlier than me, I think. I do. Yeah, I do. What time do you go? Uh, I don't go that often, um, but I went at 8 this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's way too early for me. I, <laughs> it's not even that early, but um, I take Marshall to school at 9, so yeah. earliest we're here is like 9.45, but then I'm here. Like, I live here from like 9.45 to noon or whatever. I love it. It's my second home. I'm actually here at the Y right now in my home Oh, office. well, perfect. <laughs> I'm actually sitting in a conference room at the Y. I'm not even kidding. I didn't know they had conference rooms there. They do at the Cityway Y, and I basically live here, and so I've made friends with uh, a lot of the staff, and they said, well, yeah, if you ever need to record a podcast here, you can. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm getting the child care and everything. So That's perfect. Um, I said we live three miles from each other, but we actually probably don't even live that far away from each other. I don't think so. No. Well, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, where you grew up? Absolutely. So I grew up in Galesburg, Illinois, which is a town of like 35,000 in West Central. So like almost by Iowa. And uh, I went to college at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana, which is why I'm here in Indianapolis. So I went to school there. And then after college, had a job offer in Chicago and a job offer in Indianapolis, both paying a whopping $27,500. And I decided I could live on that in one of those cities and not in the other. So I took the job in Indy and have just never left. So I live here with my husband and my two dogs and my seven-month-old Penelope, who we call Penny. Now, where was that job? Uh, the first job was Tri Auto Enterprises. I sold automotive uh, advertising in the form of newspaper inserts and direct mail. So if you ever get direct mail from car dealerships that have like fake checks, um, yeah, I sold that. Uh, it was my first job out of school. It was horrible. <laughs> I cold called car dealers all day long, made like hundreds of calls a day to sell like fake checks and it was really heartbreaking because you basically would target people based on credit scores because those were the people that actually would like believe in the fake mm-hmm. checks. It was really an awful job. So I stayed there for about a, a year and then I started, I moved to my um, a new job in recruiting and I did recruiting for five years and then went to Exact Target, which is now Salesforce and have been here for seven and a half years. So always in the sales capacity. So as horrible as that first job was, I definitely cut my teeth on selling and liked that aspect of it and have just found uh, kind of a new path into something that I like a lot. So now I sell software and into the healthcare industry, which is um, not very sexy, but it pays the bills and I like what I do. Okay. I did not know that you sold software. Yeah, yeah, I sure do. I should know more about what Salesforce does. What is nah. what, what is all like? What is Salesforce? What is the whole yeah? So um, basically, so I guess the quick background on that is Exact Target was an email marketing company. So if you get emails from Gap, for example, after you buy something, those are powered by Exact Target. Well, Exact Target was purchased by Salesforce almost four years ago. Salesforce is a CRM company, which means um, most people that are selling, it, it sells into businesses. So if you're a salesperson, you need to have some sort of database where you can keep track of all your customers and prospects and notes on who you're calling and why. And so Salesforce has been sort of the leader in that regard. And then they've just continued to grow and grow and grow both organically as well as by acquisition. So we are um, now called the marketing cloud 
we're no longer called Exact Target. And so Salesforce is built on, there's like eight different clouds, all cloud software, and I won't bore you with what all that means. But regardless, uh, I still am in the digital marketing arm of Salesforce. So we sell, uh, our product does email, mobile, social, digital ads, etc. So it's still fun because we're talking to people on marketing, very technical, but um, I feel like the, the clientele is, is still kind of a creative mindset, which is fun. So what was your first job there? My first job there was working with partners. So I ended up um, selling to customers and agencies that would resell Exact Target. And it was interesting. I did that for six years and then uh, which was awesome. I really liked that aspect of it because I was selling to partners who were then a go- then they were gonna go sell to customers. So it was sort of like a hybrid of new business and existing business sales. And then I moved uh, about just over a year ago to the direct selling organization to the healthcare team. So now I manage a team of six uh, field salespeople. So not a single person that I work for or that works for me lives in Indy. So that's why I have the benefit of being able to work from home whenever I want because no one knows where I am, nor do they care, <laughs> and which is awesome. And so, yeah, so now I manage a sales team. So I'm not as uh, maybe in the weeds on the actual sales. I am managing the team, but it's still kind of similar. Do you find that now that you have a baby that it's convenient? I mean, I know she goes to daycare, but do you find that it's convenient to be able to stay home? It is. It is. I mean, to your point, like I was able to go to the Y at eight, eight this morning and I'll try to block off like an hour every day to run or to work out. It doesn't always work out that way, but I have that flexibility and definitely with her. It's just easier because if, you know, in the afternoon things lighten up, I can go pick her up at four o'clock versus five or six. Um, so yeah, I do like the flexibility of being able to work from home or since I live downtown and work downtown and her daycare is downtown, I can go to work for a few hours, come home for a few hours or it's just nice to have that flexibility. That is so nice. Do you think that you guys will always be city people? I don't know. It's such a great question. I love downtown Indianapolis. I'm sure you feel the same way. It's, uh, I think the only question will be schools, but she's seven months old. So I have to, <laughs> I know she'll be fine really through eighth grade. Um, I think it's just high school that I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on. And I've got like 15 years until I have to <laughs> totally. worry about that. So I, I would like to say, yes, I can't imagine us ever being suburb people, but whether we're downtown, downtown, mm-hmm. um, will just sort of depend. But I'm right now I'm feeling pretty confident that we will be I think it's part of why we moved to downtown is we wanted to be, you know, the individuals that are impacting the culture of the city. And I think the more professionals and the more families that come downtown, we're the ones that are going to put pressure on the city to develop schools downtown. And so I think it's, if we left, we'd be part of the problem, not part of the solution. So I really would like to say as much as possible. I totally agree with that. And I think that we're seeing more people doing that like more people our age with kids living in the city and there is going to be pressure like we all are going to want to send our kids to school somewhere so I get that that's like a whole podcast topic and it's (laughs) it could be it absolutely could be for sure I think that there's going to be a lot of changes though I mean even our oldest is almost five even our oldest I feel like by the time he gets there there's going to be some good options I'm hoping and believing and I I need to be someone that advocates I need to like start getting more involved and yeah, I, I, there's a, a good school, one of the charter schools downtown that's would be a mile from us, and it'd be perfect for her for from K through eight. And I met with them a year ago as part of they wanted to bring some professionals in to just learn about their school and help them with fundraising and things like that. And it was just shocking how um, how much money how far money can go there. I mean, they were really excited because they had a water bottle filler 
as part of their drinking fountain and it cost them $500 and it took them months to raise that money. And I'm like, Oh dear heavens, can you just call me next time? Like yeah. I can, I can get that raised in a day, you know, it's, but it's, I think it's really smart that they're bringing all these business people in to have those kind of conversations and, and to treat education like a business. However, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to be so involved in the school that way. If Penny wants to go to the school, they're going to be like, well, we have to take Maggie's yeah. kid because she's been involved and I haven't done anything since. So good in theory, but I need to actually execute on that. I know totally. And another thing too, and with with being downtown and with these schools is like I want my kid to go to a school that has some diversity you know yes but I I fear that with the, these charter schools that it's headed away from that you know because it's yeah. getting to be so hard to get into but that's just it's tough I feel it's the really same is. I I really like her daycare because it's very diverse not just from a race but also an income level mm-hmm. so I, I I know that they take a lot of people from a subsidized perspective and so you know you've got doctors kids and you've got kids from all different walks of life and I like that that's how she's growing up and even the teachers there's people from different countries and speak different languages and I would love for her to to grow up in a more diverse place because I I agree with you I think a lot of these uh charter schools are becoming more gentrified and Mm -hmm. that's not really why we live downtown (laughs) right right how do we stop that from happening we need a healthy mix um, I, I know I told my husband, I was like, what do I need to do? Do I need to go and like knock on doors at like different houses and apartments throughout <laughs> the neighborhood and be like, Hey, did you know you can apply to get your school, your kid to come to this school? That's a really good school. Like I'll do whatever. I'm sure those schools would love for you to do that because I guarantee would. nobody is doing that right now. They probably would. Right. R- roll up my sleeves and, and do it. Um, get in there. I have so many ways I want to go with this conversation. Um, but speaking of fundraising that you were talking about, yeah. this was kind of like at the end of my list, but I'll bring it up now since we were talking about A good about, segue. Yes, exactly. Um, how many, gosh, this must have been right when I first uh, got to know you a little bit was when you did the Woman of the Year campaign yes. for Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Yes. I was, I think, about four years ago. Okay. Maybe. Something like that. So you raised like a shit ton of money. I'm glad to know you can cuss in this podcast. <laughs> I was you. You can do it first, and now yes. I can follow. Um, yeah. So I raised sixty-seven thousand dollars in ten weeks, um, which was incredible for me at the time. Although now I, I'm still very involved in that campaign, and each year the standards go up and up and up. So last year I had a friend who ran, and she raised over a hundred grand. So it's just insane to me. Um, but I'm still very proud of being able to raise that much money in such a short amount of time. Uh, it was a, definitely a very cool experience. I didn't win Woman of the Year, and that really bothered me that mm. night because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm so competitive. Um, but I got over that pretty quickly, and I realized like the title wasn't ever I mean I wanted to win because I like to win but in the end I can look back and say it was still a cool accomplishment now tell me about the campaign a little bit because I'm yeah I'm always kind of intrigued with it and like how do people who are the people that decide to run and what does that look like yeah so leukemia lymphoma society obviously raises money to help support causes um cures and families of blood cancer which affects a lot of children so I though I don't have a personal connection to it I thought it was an easy story to tell because honestly who doesn't want to help kids with cancer um so they do this big campaign um in every region and so in central Indiana they do a man and a woman of the year competition kicks off at the end of February ends 10 weeks later in the beginning of May and basically you have only those 10 weeks to raise as much money as you can um they would like to get a lot of people to sign up for this but to sign up for it you have to kind of sign on the dotted line that you're at least going to raise 10 grand and it's it was a second job I mean Mm -hmm. I was joking they asked me just recently if I'd be 
interested in running again on a national level, which is a new thing. And my husband looked at me, he goes, do you want to stay married? <laughs> because he's like, I mean, it was such, it was so much work and so much time and effort. And uh, though I didn't realize it at the time, I think it might've just put pressure on every other aspect of my life because it's, it was kind of a full-time job. Um, but what's interesting is I think from the outside, you think this man and the woman of the year, it just sounds kind of like a braggadocious mm-hmm. title. And I, mm-hmm. I never really liked that, but I, I think that's sort of how they get people to do it is they get people who are competitive, who like to win, who maybe want to beef up their resume and to win that title, they have to raise a lot of money. And so I, I have to assume that's how it works because because otherwise, why would you sign up necessarily to put that much pressure on yourself? Um, And each year is different. I mean, some years they only have a couple candidates of one gender and 10 of the other, and sometimes they have plenty in both. I think it's just, I know it's hard for them to find candidates that are interested. And oddly enough, my group of friends has gotten so involved in this that about every year, every other year, we have somebody from our group of friends who runs for it. So it's, uh, which is awesome, but this is a year that we don't have anybody running and we're all sort of relieved because A, we get to save our money and B, (laughs) we don't have an event like every week because really for me, the only way I could do it was we had, I think, a fundraising event every single week. So 10 fundraising events of different caliber. And um, what was really cool is I had a campaign team and I, I had every single person on my campaign team kind of spearhead an event. So that way I could help delegate. Um, and for me, I think the coolest part of it is I don't come from a family of money. I don't have a uh, friend. I didn't even obviously come from the city. So it's not like I had parents, friends with money. So there was no, no one in my world that was just going to write a $5,000 check. Mm -hmm. So I kept calling it a grassroots campaign and I, I don't have the facts to back this up, but I believe at the time we probably had the most donations, not the highest dollar Uh donations, but I have to assume, you know, we had people giving us $10 at a time, a hundred dollars at a time, which takes a lot of that to add up to 67,000. So I kept calling it a grassroots campaign because I thought, you know, this little, um, at the time I was what, 30, 31, something like that, you know, early thirties female who kind of grew up in middle-class, if she can figure out a way to raise $67,000, then anybody can do it. So it was, it was a great experience. How did you, who were the people on your campaign team? Like, how did you find people? I mean, I know you have like Megan and all these people that are like your best friends and you know, you guys are all people that you guys like, you like to do good. I mean, you like to help people. It's, I know that about you. So like, how did you get people to be like, I want to be behind her? That was the thing. I mean, most of them were good friends of mine. Um, I had one friend, my, my friend Martha, she's an event planner. Oh, yeah. And so it's great to have her in any of these because she just can knock at a, an event like it's no big deal and super organized. Um, and people that just had resources. What I did not do very well um, is have people on my campaign team that came from different circles. Mm-hmm. So many of my friends were on my campaign team. So when you think about we were inviting the same people to every single event because that was as far as our circle kind of extended. The smarter thing would have been to find someone from my campaign team that was older or lived in Carmel or had a different job. You know, that way they could have invited different people um, and we wouldn't just be hitting up the same people over and over again. I will say another big component of my success was Salesforce. I mean, they they sponsored, I think, $5,000. But I also, I mean, I hammered that each Mm -hmm. person in my organization to donate all the time. I mean, I one of the things you can do with... um, 
the email product that we sell is you can figure out like who's opened an email, who's clicked on something. Mm -hmm. And so I would just, I'd send it to literally everybody in Indianapolis. And if they never clicked on the email, I would like filter it and send another email. And it was, and I kept doing it over and over again until everybody opened my emails. They had to hate me, but it's fine. (laughs) That's really smart though. It was for a good cause, right? You can well, be annoying when it's for a good cause. Now, and when you were doing it, I remember I worked for Back of My Feet, so I was kind of in fundraising yeah. myself. So I was, like, crazy impressed with how much money you raised. What were some of the events that you did? Uh, one of the more, more fun ones is we did a bar crawl. So we had Sun King donate all the beer, and we picked, I think, maybe eight uh, bars on Mass Ave who – would accept the beer from Sun King and they let us sort of take over and we did teams. We had different t-shirt colors for each team. And, uh, essentially you had to pay, I think $30 to be part of this, uh, bar crawl, but then you'd get a free beer at each one. Um, and so that was, and we, the nice part is Sun King helped advertise. So we finally got that out to the masses. It wasn't just to our group. What really worked is we ended at Bakersfield in the basement of this bar, and everybody had been drinking all night. And so people get really loose with cash. <laughs> right. drugs. And so we just started auctioning things off. I mean, literally my friend Ted found like a plant that was not his <laughs> and just was like, we're auctioning this off. And I mean like live auction and we ended up selling a plant for like $150. And so <laughs> it's little stuff like that. I think the smartest thing we, we did is every event had multiple layers of fundraising. So if we had a dinner party, there was a silent auction at the dinner party. If we had, um, you know, this bar crawl, then we also had a raffle. Um, and then the most successful thing we did was a date package auction. I actually got this randomly enough. A guy from my high school ran for man of the year in Kansas city. Once he figured out I was doing it, he called me. He's like, I've got to tell you about the event that I ran. He actually auctioned off dates, like people to people, which I thought was a, I don't know enough single people in Indianapolis because everybody in Indianapolis is married with kids and owns a house. Right. Um, but I, I changed it up and we did basically date packages. So I went around to anyone in God's creation in Indianapolis to basically get like Colts tickets, hotel night stays, uh, gift certificates to restaurants, things like that. And we would package them up into a really cool package, date package. And then we had a live auction, Pizza Planner, who I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, he was our auctioneer and we did it at the speakeasy and we had beer and pizza and a DJ and a ton of people came and then he live auctioned off these packages. And it was, and since we packaged enough up, there was not a real dollar value. I think that's always really hard in fundraising is if you say, I'm auctioning off a hundred dollar gift certificate. Nobody wants to pay more than a hundred dollars for it. So it's you, everyone wants to get something for cheap in silent auctions and live auctions. They want to feel like they got a steal. So we would package them up so that the total value was unknown. And that way we could kind of increase the value. Um, and we ended up raising, I think that night we raised like $7,000 in a night, which was by far our most successful. And that same event we've done now uh, at least one more time and it's been even more successful so we get a little better at it each time that's so cool you are like every nonprofit's dream person like <laughs> like I know you have this really successful career at Salesforce but man any nonprofit would be like vying to Find me up right get you to be their executive director <laughs> for sure oh my gosh that's so fun and it's you have yeah, and you have to have, like, the guts to pick up the phone and not be nervous that someone's going to turn you down. I mean, it's, like, kind of sales in a way, but you're, they're giving the sure. across. Yeah, 
You just can't be nervous. You know, from back on my feet too, it's, I found organizations are really reluctant to give you money, Mm -hmm. but they have no problem giving you product or gift cards. And so I think once I just changed my ask, and honestly, some of it was me just getting on Facebook, getting on the McNiven's Facebook page and sending a message through that to say, here's what I'm doing. Would you be willing to give me a $25 gift card? And it, like almost everyone said yes. Cause it's like, yeah, I can give you a $25 gift card. But if I asked for $50 cash, they'd nope. be like, yeah, no, we no don't way. donate money. You know, it's just, so I think that the date package auction was successful because I was able to get a lot more donations by asking for product. And then we would raise money based off that. And that's totally true. Like even working with athletic annex a little bit, they will give a gift card to anybody. Cause that gets yeah. them in, that gets you in their store. Right. Right. They're absolutely. Not, yeah. They're not giving any cash for sure. And once you buy one thing, you know, if you get a $50 gift certificate to Athletic Annex, you're like me, you spent 150 right. <laughs> Yeah, so they're, they're still winning in the end. Well, yeah, and hopefully they trust their customer service enough that, like, you're going to like your experience and come back later. Come back. Right, right. absolutely. Um, so that's so that's so cool. I'm just like, I think I'll always be in awe of what you did there. That's awesome. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> um, so let's go on to, gosh, you used to travel a ton in your job, didn't you? I did. I did. And, you know, my, the first time I took a field job, I was all into it. I was like, I'm going to get on a plane every single week. And I was. I was on a plane almost every week. And now I don't love to do that as much. Oh, yeah. And I started even slowing down before I had a kid. I kind of thought, well, I'm happy to go if I can get back in the same night or maybe be gone only one night. But now that I have Penny, I'm sure you know this too. It's just, you don't want to be away from them. And yeah. so now I'm, I'm much more particular about traveling. I didn't travel much at all last year, but that's because I had a kid and, you know, they kind of don't want you to travel in the last (laughs) trimester as much. Um, And so now, I mean, I traveled a lot in February and I'm going to have to, my job does require me to travel quite a bit, but I'm pretty particular. And I think my team knows that I ask, you know, what's the reason, how long am I going to be there? I don't want to extend this out. uh, Cause it's just, I don't know. It's not fun to be away from her. Did you, are you so glad though that you had that experience of traveling so much? Absolutely, for sure. I I didn't do a lot of exotic travel. I mean, there was one year that my clients were literally only in Cleveland and Kansas City. So I just kept going to Cleveland and Kansas City, which I can tell you, I really love Kansas City. Cleveland is not maybe uh, my favorite. Um, But yeah, so it wasn't exotic, but I I think it just gave me a sense of independence because you just Mm -hmm. have to figure out the city, you have to figure out, my mom always says this, but this is a technology thing. She's like, I don't understand how you can land in a city and get in a car and start driving. And I'm like, it's called GPS on your phone. Like you're never lost as long as you have your phone. Um, But there is a sense of independence and adventure. Um, At one point I was convinced I was going to write a book based on like, all the people that I met when I traveled because you can talk you know if you if you strike up a conversation with someone at a hotel bar or on the airplane you can learn all this stuff this is how young I was I was like this is interesting I want to meet everybody I'm going to have conversations with all the people and now I get on an airplane and I'm like headphones in there's not even there's not even music it's just a sign that I don't want to have a conversation so yeah I was much more naive and cute back then and now I'm like (laughs) I like my alone time Totally get that. Now you and yep. Josh, you guys got married pretty young, right? <laughs> we did. We got married when we were twenty five. Okay, so we that's met. not as young as I thought though. I mean that's very young and Yeah, that's true. It's, it feels young outside of Indianapolis. Like if you're in Chicago yes. or a bigger city, I mean in Indy it feels like everybody gets married pretty young. We got we started dating our senior year in in college. So by the time we got married we'd been together for four years. Um so it didn't feel really feel young, plus it was what everyone was doing. All of our friends got married at the same time. But yeah, it's a long time ago. We've been married ten years. 
Okay. Well, you guys are the same as Glenn and I then, because we got we uh, started dating our senior year of college. Oh, perfect. Yeah, just and the then same. we got married like two years out of college, so we just dated probably like one less year or something. Yeah. Um, and I was twenty four. So yeah, yeah, we were young too. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about is you guys kind of waited a little while to have kids. Did we did? And it's funny because we got married. We bought a house the same year we got married. So in my mind, I'm thinking we even we picked a house in Washington Township because we wanted good schools. Like, I was convinced I was going to have kids right away. So we were like, all right, let's get married at 25. We'll have a baby at, you know, 29, 30. We'll have another one right after, whatever. And we just never pulled the trigger. And we spent so much time um, just really enjoying life and being independent. I I use the word selfish, but it kind of has a negative connotation to it. I just think we really liked our freedom. And then one of us would get on this kid kick when the other person was completely opposite and then it would just like vacillate. Like I'd want kids. He wouldn't, he'd want kids. I wouldn't. And we just never could get on the same page. And then it wasn't until I guess two August ago. And I, I'd been kind of talking about it much more emphatically. And it was just funny. Cause I remember saying, I was like, all right, I have to renew my birth control. So <laughs> should I? And he's like, well, I mean, he's, he's so bad at making decisions that finally I was like, we're doing this. So, and that's basically as unromantic as it was. And we had the baby. Yeah. So how, wait, so how old were you when you had Penny? 35. Okay. 35, which really like in 2017, like that's pretty normal, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't think people think of it as crazy anymore, but I was honestly doing the math in my mind today because I met a guy last night who is older but found out his 20-year-old was having a baby. And in my mind, I thought, God, 20 is so young, right? But then in my mind, I'm driving back from the Y, I think, God, if Penny's 20 and has a baby, I'll be 55. Like, God, I'll be so old, right? (laughs) So it's like, there's times I think 35 is is perfectly normal, but then I also kind of hate that... uh, she'll have older parents. So, but I don't know. I had older parents. My dad was 36 when I was born. So, you know, it is what it is. Well, and you guys are, I mean, you're good. You guys are going to be young at heart. You know what I mean? Like 35, 55. I don't, I don't, I I actually don't like it when people say age is just a number, but you don't live like you're older. Um, and when I say 35 is older for everybody listening, who's like, that's not old at all. I'm having kids, you know, um, I say that because you guys had been married for like 10 years first. It is. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and we just, I mean, and I I know you and I have had this conversation. It's, uh, I I was really not thrilled when people wanted to know, you know, when are you going to have kids and why, especially, you know, started with my family. And I think I finally got to a point where I was like, can you guys just stop asking? Because it's kind of hurting my feelings. Like, we're not good enough if we don't have kids, you know. Um, And then strangers I mean like a stewardess would be like oh well when are you gonna have kids well I don't know well you know you don't want to wait and da 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 and it's like you have no idea what's going on and we were lucky enough that knock on wood we've never we only have one kid right but it wasn't hard to get pregnant and we didn't have fertility issues and it wasn't and we basically made the decision I said let's try for a year and if we can't have a kid then I think we call it quits and enjoy our life because we know that was always a backup plan anyway that might have been the first plan a as far as we knew but I just think it's really rude to ask that question because you think of how many people are having issues and troubles and it's such a personal decision and it's such, I don't know, you know, you've had three kids and you're a complete goddess as it comes to motherhood. I don't know how, well, what it does to your body, it just completely destroys your body, right? So you just think the pregnancy and the birth and then trying to get pregnant and it's just, it's a really personal discussion and I hated when people would ask me, but now that I have kids, I find myself 
almost on the brink of asking people. And it, mm-hmm. I don't know how I've t- turned the corner, but I think it's because I didn't know what this could feel like. And people would say that to me, right? You don't know what love is until you have a baby. And I wanted to punch him in the face because right. I'm like, stop, right? Like, I know what love is. But there's something that's so magical about being a parent that I, I understand now why people wanted to, like, give that experience to me and to encourage me to have that. I just don't. I don't want to do what I hated because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be the person, you know? Yeah. And it is true. It's like, well, gosh, who thinks that asking someone that is an okay thing to do? Like maybe you just had a miscarriage. Maybe you are right. having fertility right. issues. Like maybe you right. just don't want to have kids and you shouldn't have to feel like you should want to have kids. Right. Right. I, and I struggled a lot at, in the professional world because it felt like just a double-edged sword with a no winning solution. It mm-hmm. was like, if I don't have kids, that I think people think of me as this, I wouldn't say unstable, but I think they think I'm flighty Mm -hmm. or I'm not established or settled or maybe I'm partying all the time and, you know, I'm out all the time. And I I didn't want my my colleagues to see me as somebody that wasn't very serious and committed to my job just because I wasn't committed to a child. And I Mm -hmm. think they made that correlation. But then the minute you have a child, people think, well, are you really going to be committed to your job now that you have a kid? Well, can you travel? And, and, you know, it's like, wait, can I win in one of these scenarios? Like where, where's the right answer here? Right. What, um, what's one thing that has surprised you about being a mom? Uh, that's a great question. I, the first eight weeks Mm. I were the hardest things I've ever done. And I mean, my friend Corey, who is a mom of three, I went to college with her. She lives in Florida. I would text her and she said like, your mantra is I can do hard things. Mm-hmm. And she just kept saying to me, like, Maggie, you can do hard things. You've run marathons. You've got, you know, da, 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 da. You can do hard things. You will be fine. And I, I can't tell you how many times I would say that to myself every day because I just, I wasn't prepared for the sleep deprivation. And I'm not even, I don't even need a lot of sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm not somebody who needs like eight hours. But holy shit, I had no idea what that would do to me. Plus your body's a disaster and we won't go into those details <laughs> but because no one wants to hear about those. But also I, I was just an anxious mom. I, I wanted, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so when she was crying, I didn't know, is that what all babies do or is it colic? Or is it, mm-hmm. is there something I can do to fix this? And I'm very much a person that thinks if I just work harder, I'll get the goal I want. And I wanted sleep and I wanted a happy baby and I just thought, there's something in my power to do this. So I read and bought every book under the sun. And there was just, there was a revelation right around seven or eight weeks where I just said like, I'm done. I'm done reading books. My baby doesn't fit into this mold. I'm just going to do us and what works for us. And I like had a, just a whole new life as a mother. So I would say what surprised me is I was not ready or prepared for how hard those those first two months would be. But I, I also think there's some component of, just new mom in that. Like I've said to Josh, I want a second kid. He's like, why would you ever want to do that again? And I'm like, cause I know more this time, right? I know yeah. not to get as anxious or wrapped around the axle about those things. Because even if you don't figure, get your kid on a nap schedule, eventually they sleep more at night. Yeah. I can be a testament to that. My kid's still not on a nap schedule, but she sleeps pretty much through the night other than stupid daylight savings time. Thank you. Oh, I know. (laughs) Well, I actually think I specifically remember your Facebook post about that. And you know, when you, whenever like a new mom posts something like that, it's actually a really good thing because you end up getting people out there that are like supporting you. And then maybe someone reads it that needs the support themselves, you know? Um, 
But I specifically remember when Russ was born. I mean, Russ is almost five months now. Like, I remember you, like, favoriting my sleep deprivation tweets. And I was like, she's favoriting this because she was just I know. I know it so well. You know it so well. And there's some bond. Like, it is. That's probably another thing. It's like, it's a village. Everyone always said that. But you immediately bond with other mothers who have done this. And I don't want to exclude fathers. But there is just something different. And maybe it's because, you know, during those first eight weeks while my kid is screaming, my husband is sleeping soundly like four feet away, not Mm -hmm. noticing, right? Um, We can all bond over that, too. But, yeah, it's, it's just, it is. You're absolutely right. You bond with each other. And I think when I would be vulnerable and put that stuff online and, and, put the reality, not just the cute p- kid pictures. It was amazing how many people would reach out and be like, burn the books. You're doing great. Yeah. You're amazing. And like in those times when somebody tells me, you know, you're doing great, it would just like, I would just sob because yes. I'm like, God, that's all I needed to hear is like some stranger on that I'm Facebook friended six years ago. And I don't remember why just told <laughs> me I'm doing great. I'm in a good place. Yeah. It's funny. And I've, I've tried to take that with me a little bit. Like now that I've had three kids, like I try to be the cheerleader to someone who's starting off and doing it for the first time. Cause I'm like, I remember when someone told me I was doing a good job, even if I didn't think I was, it made me feel like I was. Absolutely. No, I, I think you do actually a really good job of that. Um, and I appreciate that too. I was telling somebody the other day about your post about like post baby body oh. and, and for the record, you got a good one, oh, but you're always so you're always so honest and raw about it, and that's just so helpful too. I think you know I, I live in this CrossFit community of girls that have babies and bounce back to I mean literally have abs the day before oh. they give birth, the day after, and I don't understand it, right? <laughs> and, and I'm still sitting here thinking, hmm, that's good. I got those last five pounds to lose. What is it? Nine months on nine months off. Well, I only have about a month and a half left before I have to get those off, you know? So it's just refreshing to see people that are real and say like, this is, this doesn't have to, we don't all have to be supermodels. And so I appreciate your honesty. I think you do a great job of encouraging other moms to give themselves a little grace during all of this time, you know, right afterwards, months afterwards, et cetera. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And sometimes, you know, when I post stuff like that, I think, okay, maybe to some people, this post could actually be annoying because, you know, I do run more and work out more than most people. And so some people are probably like, oh, yeah, whatever, Lindsay. (laughs) Right. Right. The girl that calls her fat that's not fat. Right. I don't don't think yours ever come across that way. I think they come across more of just, you know, to your point, like you're you're not, like when you say like, oh, I thought this tank top would fit. Ha ha. Like you're laughing at yourself. I mean, all of us have been in that world. I, I truly, the one picture I posted, I was in a ba- uh, my bathing suit, and I was actually just looking back at this the other day, and I was like, now that I'm almost five months post-baby, I was like, Lindsay, you were nine weeks postpartum. Like, right. Nine weeks. You Nine weeks. That's insane. But that being said, I can truly honestly say, after my first baby, I don't think I would have been comfortable putting that picture out yeah. in the world to see. And so, I'm glad. I'm glad that I've, you know. Yep. I'm in that place where I'm like, hey, this is what it is. This is real life. And yeah, I'm working out. I'm probably exercising four or five days a week, which is more than most moms at this point. But this is my journey, right? Yeah. I mean, you should be proud of that. (laughs) You should not be. Yeah. You shouldn't be ashamed of that in any regard. And it's funny to that point. I remember the first time I ran eight miles after having Penny, I sent a text to my mom and my sister-in-law and the three of us text like all day long. And I I said to them, I was like, there are times I look at myself and I just don't like what I see and I'm not pleased with, 
you know, my post-baby body, but to be fair, I gained weight before I got pregnant. So like we've got some pounds to go even before that. But regardless, I said, but then I, I just ran eight miles and I'm a mom and I just ran eight miles and I have to remember like I'm enough. Like that's okay. You, you, it does, it's not all about a scale. It's all about pounds or exactly how you look. It's about, you know, what your body can do. And there's some, I can't remember what it is. It's some video about there. Um, it's probably for some athletic company, but I absolutely love it. It's like, you know, the little kid is watching her mom work mm-hmm. out and it's, mm-hmm. and I mean, that's my inspiration is just like, I want Penny to look, to grow up thinking like my mom's a badass and she's going to work really hard and she's not an amazing runner. She's a dedicated runner and she's not an amazing CrossFitter, but she goes to CrossFit. And regardless, it's more about like what this body can do more than what this body looks like. Before I continue my conversation with Mickey, I want to thank another one of the partners for the show. The Runner's World Women's Getaway. This is a soul gathering for women by women. A weekend to get away and recharge with your girlfriends and run wind. How clever is that? Runner's World has the perfect getaway concept and they'd love for you guys to join them with their editors and world-class marathoner Shalane Flanagan, Whole Foods chef Elise Kopecki. You guys, I had Shalane and Elise on this, on this podcast back. I think it was episode 33. Check it out. It'll make you want to go to this retreat even more. This is, a, this is a retreat that's designed for female runners of all ages and abilities. It's a weekend for rejuvenation, inspiration, and it'll give you a chance to laugh and play with your friends and connect with new friends. This is a four-day, three-night deal, and it's, and it's at the Weston Riverfront Resort and Spot at Beaver Creek Mountain. You guys can check out more information. You can email getaway at runnersworld.com and I'll also put up the link with more information and to register in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. Check that out. It's going to be the perfect weekend to grab for your four girlfriends and to just get away for a couple days and do what you love to do. Go to the show notes, lindsayhine.com for more information. All right, let's continue my conversation with Maggie. Speaking of Penny, this is totally going off subject. Yeah. I want to talk about these adorable little dresses that you're making. <laughs> yes. I started sewing, How? which is so not me. Right. Like, I'm like, what? But <laughs> right? they're so cute and good. Like, tell me oh, about this. Uh, yeah. So I went to a baby shower and this girl, she owns uh, Crimson Tate, the cute little quilting store on uh, Mass Ave. She was there and she made a beautiful quilt for the mom to be. And I looked at that quilt and I thought... I could do that. For the record, I cannot. <laughs> Still to this day, I have not figured out quilting, nor have I even tried. But in my mind, I just had this like moment of, I'm going to buy myself a sewing machine. And I haven't sewed since eighth grade home ec. <laughs> I liked it back then. but um, And so I got a sewing machine, and I figured out how to thread the machine, which I thought was going to be the hardest thing in the world. And then I started looking up uh, like baby clothes patterns online, and which was great because they're online is easier than like the old school patterns because you can do like YouTubes and things like that. And then I got really into finding adorable fabric. And so, yeah, it's been a fun little hobby. I'm not domestic in any other way. I don't cook. I don't like do anything else domestic, but this is one thing that I feel like I'm home a lot more with her. Mm -hmm. And so it's just something to kind of keep my mind and hands busy. Otherwise I would just sit and watch TV and drink all the wine in the world. I still do that, by the way, but um, so yeah, it's been really fun. And, you know, I was saying to someone the other day, if I was just making curtains or something, I would have given up by now. But the mm-hmm. fact like baby clothes are really fun and I get a dresser up in them and, um, they're certainly not perfect, but it's been a lot of fun. Where do you buy your fabric? So there's this a website called spoonflower.com and it's my favorite because like artists submit their own patterns and 
So there's just a million things out there. Like I made baby blankets for my nieces and my niece and my two nephews. And I could look up literally like pugs and found like fabric with pugs and hearts and like it's the cutest thing in the world. So, or space for my nephew. Um, or my friend Rachel is obsessed with Golden Girls. So, literally, I'm making her a pillow with like the Golden Girl faces all over it, all from Spoonflower. But what's cool about it is you can also order it in any different type of fabric. So, you can order like fleece or jersey knit or cotton. So, depending on what you want to make, um, I mean, it's not super cheap, but. It's cute. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what's price comparable, like, if you bought her a cute little dress at, like, a boutique store? Uh, that's a great question. I think it's still cheaper. Yeah. Um, because you can get a lot more fabric. But, you know, when you think about, like, time and energy. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Some people have said, oh, you should have order, an, you should do an Etsy shop. And I thought, well, A, I mean, this quality is fine for me, but I don't know that I'd want to, like, put it out on the market. Right. <laughs> but also, I don't want to mass produce anything. You know, right. I, I like... I think it's fun. Like my neighbor is about ready to have a little girl, and so I'm, I have fabric to make a little dress. So I mean, I think it's fun for baby gifts and for my own kid and for friends and things like that. Uh, I made myself a shirt that I wore on Saturday night, and cute in theory, but like as I'm sitting at dinner, I'm like, this neckline is so close <laughs> to my face. I was like gagging. Um, so I need to work a little bit on that. Uh, but it's you know, it's a hobby. Well, I mean, and that's the best baby gift ever. Like. To show up in yeah. someone's shower with something you actually made. Like, that's right. so special. I thought I kind of thought so, too. So, it'll be fun. Yeah. And it's unique, too. You're not getting someone like a Carter's uh, one from <laughs> Target. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. Which we all have a million of. Right. So, okay. We haven't even talked about running, but you've ran, what, like 12, 13 marathons? 12, and my 13th is this Sunday. <gasps> this Sunday? Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so not prepared for it, but we are... Uh, I don't know. I'm flying to Virginia Beach on Friday, and me and uh, I think there's nine of us that are going. I think there's maybe set six of us running the marathon. One is running the half. Um, yeah, I, I decided back in October, November, sometime around, I think it was November, I basically reached out to my friend Martha, and I was like, I have this goal that I want to run a marathon in Penny's first year. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? And within, like, seconds, she's like, Virginia Beach, it's flat. It's a fun location. It's March. Good timing. Let's do it. Problem is, I just haven't really trained very well. So it's going to be pretty ugly. I've often thought about dropping to the half, but I'm, I'm just going to knock it out. And it'll it. be, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to do well. My goal is to go sub five hours, which normally if I was training would not be an right. aggressive goal. I have no idea if I can achieve that right now. I've done a 20 miler, a 15, a 13, a couple tens. That's it. <laughs> Lots of midweek runs, but not a lot of long runs. So we'll see. Well, and it'd be one thing if you were like, yeah, I'm going to run my second marathon post-baby, and that was your training. Yeah. But, like, you've done this a million times. Like, if you need to walk, you need to walk. Like, yeah. you know. Exactly. I, I know well enough to know that I'm going to pace myself from the start really slow. I, I, we did a half, um, the monumental half in November, and I did not feel really confident about that, but paced it really well and was, like, very pleased with how it ended. So, Definitely not in the fastest shape, but, you know, I'm loving the midweek runs right now. Like, I love a good five-miler, and I'm trying to do, uh, honestly, inspired by you and your Instagrams, I'm trying to do more purples um, because it just breaks it up, and it's more fun to kind of feel fast, fast for me. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really glad I am doing this. I I will be glad when it's over. And then whether I do any more, I just – I think I now know that if I'm going to train for a marathon, I have to be, like, really in the right mindset because there's – haven't been a lot of excuses other than I wake up on a Saturday I think 
I kind of just want to sit here and play with my kid and watch mm-hmm. the voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't want to go for a run. I, I totally feel that. And did you know that my marathon PR is on that course? No way, really? So you've yeah. done this one? I've done it. Shamrock, yep. Oh my God, how is it? Um, it's good. I like it. I, I think it tends to be a little bit windy because it's on the yeah. beach. But I also think I ran it in 2013. Actually, I'd say uh, after my first, and he was probably around the same age as Penny. Maybe he was probably a little bit older, but... Because um, you had a PR, that's insane. Well, yes, but I was kind of, I was kind of crazy after my first baby. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, and so, well, and I also wasn't working um, full-time as the VP of sales at Salesforce. <laughs> well, fair. I was, and I, you know, and I had one kid. I mean, staying in, not to say that staying home with one kid isn't a big job, because it is, but... Oh my gosh, yes. M- my life was still much more simple than it is now with... Three kids stay home. Yeah, you know. for sure. So yeah, I, imagine. I had the time to do it. Let's just say that. But that's. I think that's karma. I mean, this is this is good for me to hear this. Yes. This is going to get me in a good mental place. To, and I'm doing it with a lot of friends, which will be good. And I'm taking Penny, uh, which I was not excited about. Oh, but are. Josh, Josh is also out of town this weekend. So, um, but it'll be fine. Like Megan, who we've mentioned, she's going to hang out with her while I run. And Aww. so. It'll be just a fun girls weekend. We've got a house on the beach, and I think it'll be a beautiful course. I did. The wind does not look great on the forecast, but I You just got to ignore survive. it, though. Like, what are you yeah. going to do? I, do, I yeah. do remember specifically, like, it was probably mile 10. You're, like, running on the boardwalk, and I remember thinking, like, the effort I'm putting out and looking down at my watch, I was like, this effort is, is, <laughs> is like, almost an entire minute faster like yeah. than what I'm actually running right now. But I just... Yes. So PR. Yes, yes, yes. It was a great. It, I, I mentally, mentally had a really great race, but awesome. I think it was like even windier than normal. So I don't want. I'm not saying that to scare you. And you're just no, no, no. You're Good. going to have fun. So yes, you're not like, trying to run for time. So is it you, a bunch of girls, and Penny? <laughs> yeah, pretty oh, much. And she's the only kid going. She's the only kid. So uh, which is you know we're all in one house. I'm hopeful that. All the girls will find, like, places to stay. So that way, if she wakes in the middle of the night, they don't uh, hear her. Like, I can be in one room, and they all can be in different rooms. Um, but everyone's great. I mean, there's uh, I'm the only mom that will be there. Actually, I think there's another girl that's maybe a single mom. I don't know her as well. Um, but, yeah, everybody will be super. They all seemed really encouraging to bring her. So they actually came up with the idea. when I was like, I don't know what to do. Josh is going to be out of town. They're like, you should bring her. Aww. Like, okay, that's really nice of you guys for being willing to have a baby kind of spoil our girls' weekend. But the fact that it's a running girls' mm-hmm. weekend, it was never going to be super crazy anyway because, you know, with the races on Sunday, we get there Friday. Sunday night's really the only day that we can sort of cut loose. So, and then we fly out Monday. So, it'll work out. Isn't that so special seeing your girlfriends with your baby? It is. It's it really just all of our friends. Girlfriends, guy well, friends. Yeah, it's, true. it's amazing. It's amazing to see... Um, yeah, how everybody just sort of, at my birthday party, we went to Punchbowl Social, and I was kind of nervous. I thought, oh, you know, am I going to be putting too much, like, overstimulation for Penny? And I barely even held her. Like, it was just so great, because everyone was just passing her around, feeding her. You know, she was sleeping in people's arms. I thought, this has been so great, because I get to enjoy myself, but my friends, like, actually love my kid, which is really cool. Yeah, I always tell my girlfriends, I'm like, um, and not to say, not to say my guy friends, it's not the same, but I just... Actually, oh, for sure. I have more girlfriends than guy friends. Um, and I tend to be a lot more social than my husband. Fair. <laughs> um, but I always tell them, I'm like, 
Seriously, there's nothing more special than seeing your friends love your little kid. Yep. It's huge. It is. Just to know that, like, you know, if something were to happen to me or if just, like, I needed to be gone for a short amount of time or something, that there would be someone there that I know could swoop in and just love on them like they needed to be loved on. That's so special. Absolutely. Yeah, that was the other thing. My friend JR was like, you know, I can take Penny all weekend. And I was like, that is a lot to take on for anybody. But it was very sweet to offer. So yes, you're right. It is really, it's really cool. It's interesting, though, we're older in having a child in in the group of friends that we spend the most time with, we are the first to have kids. Uh So Uh kind of the pioneers. Um, But it's been really fun to see how everybody has really gravitated. Or, you know, we instead of going to bars, they'll come to our house. So that way, she can go to bed, we can uh-huh. still have drinks, and, you know, everybody's been really good about kind of adjusting. That is a beautiful thing when your baby goes to bed at, like, 7, and you're like, we still <laughs> have an entire night to do stuff. We always say, like, Absolutely. we always think back to when it was Marshall, and I, it, you know, when he was a baby, and we would always do that, just put him to bed, and then people would come over, and I'm like, man, that was the life. Yeah, so you have bedtimes that are a little later, I bet, right? Well, you know what? Actually, they still go to bed they all go to bed by like seven thirty, but That's awesome. yes, it's amazing. Um, and they want it like they're ready for bed. It's not even that we're sticklers. Like we'll go out yeah. and stay out and we'll let them stay up if we're doing something or whatever. Like new year's, they were up until like 11. Um, sure. but it's the old Marshall. He's almost five now. Like he'll sense that people are at the house and he'll want to get up and like come hang out. And it's, of course, it's just a little bit more complicated and um, he's a little bit clean too, but he has FOMO. He just wants to be with everybody. He just wants to hang out at the party. And if I could guarantee that he would just fall asleep on the couch and we could like take him upstairs, I would say, fine, just fall asleep on the couch. But he's right. You know, when kids get overtired, it just ends up getting, becoming a, it's ugly for everybody. Um, well, so, and one thing I also wanted to talk about was your dad. So in 2016, yeah. was it 2016, yes. you lost your dad and you it had did. a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Circle of life. Right. So yeah. how far along were you when your dad passed away? Uh, so I was 18 weeks, I think 17 weeks or so. I remember that the day of his funeral, I remember laying in bed and being like, I just want to feel her kick for the first time because that will be like, that'll be the coolest thing. And I, I remember like willing that feeling because I'm like, mm. that way it's the true circle of life. And I did not feel her kick for like <laughs> two more weeks. Um, but I do remember it was it was before 20 weeks. Um, yeah, so we found out we were pregnant in November. We told my parents on Christmas. At that point, so we had Parkinson's for 19 years and final stages. He had had dementia off and on for a couple of years, but it started getting really bad towards the end. And so I'm not 100% sure he grasped that I was pregnant. Mm. My husband tells me he did, which I don't know if he really believes that or if he just knows that that's a nice thing to say to me. Um, Either way, it's very sweet. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know if he ever grasped it. I mean, by the time he was put in hospice um, right around Christmas, so he didn't really leave the house after the Christmas Eve, I think was the last time he left the house. And then he passed away February 25th. So yeah, it was a really, it was really ugly time, not just from losing my dad, but it was, you know, prepping for a baby. I had just taken on a new job. There was just a million things going on. And I, yeah, I just remember this time last year feeling extremely overwhelmed for a lot of reasons. Mm. Um, but you know, everyone keeps talking about what a horrible year 2016 was and I can get on that bandwagon, but then my baby was born. So it's like, yeah, it wasn't that horrible, but it was, I do think she has helped heal the family in a lot of ways. And my brother and sister-in-law just had another baby. So it's mm-hmm. that, that kind of helps as well. 
Well, actually, you say your brother and sister, or is it your brother and your sister? Yeah, my brother and sister. Yeah. Yeah, I remember a post uh, you posted one time. I think it was a picture of your niece, and you were like, "This is the little girl that made me realize I wanted to be a mom." Yep, that's exactly right. She's a. so she's five and a half, and oh my God, I just adore that kid. I mean, I love my nephew too, but there was something about just the bond I had with her, and she was the first of all, all the kids in, in my my side of the family, and she's just a little mini me. She's so girly. Like, when she found out I was having a girl, she was Aww. like, well, I'll, I'll teach her how to put makeup on. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, someone's going to have to, you know? So she's just, she is, she's absolutely, it, and I think for a long time, I kept looking for a mom and a dad that looked like us. Like I wanted working parents that still were social and wanted to travel, but also could figure out how to do that with a kid. And I kept looking and looking and looking for, if I could just figure out somebody and and it could watch another family do this, then maybe I could also see myself having a kid. And then finally I realized, you know, we just had to, to your point, pave our own path. Bad segue, but I remember um, at one of our conferences, Condoleezza Rice spoke, and she was uh, talking about the importance of mentors, and she was a Russian studies, uh, like maybe got her doctorate in Russian studies, something crazy like that, and she's like, listen, if I was looking for a mentor that looked like me, I'm looking for a black female that... (laughs) was obsessed with Russian studies, I would still be looking. And she's like, you know, you don't have to find a mentor that looks like you to still find somebody that can impact your life. And so I remember that specific phrase and kept saying to myself about motherhood, like I can take from all the different moms, the stay at home moms, the working moms, the moms that never leave the house, the moms that are super social. And we can figure out how does that make our world work for us? Well, and that's a really good point. I'm actually meeting with someone tomorrow um, I just like with this podcast, I'm like, I need a business mentor. Like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like I need to you seem to be doing pretty well at it. Well, thank you. But I'm like, I need to somehow figure out how to get to the next level. And, um, Glenn's like, go talk to Vicki and she's I, Vicki Bolson. I had her on the podcast, like way back when, like episode awesome. 17, I don't even want to listen to it because it was so early in <laughs> my interview that I'm like, I don't even know what I said, but I was kind of like, you know, she's this like powerful, successful businesswoman. She created her own firm. I'm like, is she the right person for me to talk to? Because our paths are so different. But I'm like, yes, she's the exact yeah. person I need to talk to, you know? Absolutely. Well, you can learn from each other, which is also the cool stuff. I mean, if you look just like the person that's mentoring you, then are you really going right. to learn as much? You know? So, right. Yes. Yeah, so am I yeah. trying to be better at the exact same thing I'm already doing? <laughs> right. Absolutely. That's um, awesome. I'm- it's a yeah, good idea. Yeah, for sure. Everybody, I was listening to a podcast this day. Everybody needs a mentor. If you're 50, you still need a mentor, you know? Like, I do. You don't grow out of that. No, agreed. And it's important to have people that you can go to with questions and bounce ideas off of. And I would say, like, I don't, the mentors that I have, I mean, are mostly men, which I yeah. probably need to mix in a female here and there. Yeah. Um, well, back to your dad with the Parkinson's. Yes, sorry, I said No, bye. that's okay, for sure. Um so, I mean, gosh, he had that for 19 years. So how old was he when he was diagnosed with that? So we, so he died when he was 72. So what would that make him? Yeah. 53 or okay. something. So he was young. It was definitely, yeah. I mean, not like Michael J. Fox young. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of people that get Parkinson's are, are old and they get Parkinson's amongst everything else. You know, it's like, right. oh, I've got emphysema and Parkinson's and dementia and this. My grandpa, oddly enough, had uh, Parkinson's at, at the end stages of his life too. But my dad was diagnosed when he was still, you know, working full time mm-hmm. and, we were in high school and, um, so it, it was a slow diagnosis. It wasn't super, I mean, it wasn't as huge at that time. And we, we didn't really know what we didn't know. There wasn't a lot of, sure. There was a lot of data out there, but I didn't seem like something that 
he would die from and nor did we really know what the disease was beyond a tremor. I think what people think is, oh, well, somebody has a tremor and you don't realize like how much it impacts your life. So, I mean, he eventually went on disability and stopped working and, um, and then you just, you lose all like muscle ability. So you can't walk and you can't talk and he had trouble eating. So like my mom became like the master of the Heimlich maneuver because of Mm -hmm. choking and so yeah, there's just, and then not talking was just awful because in person, you could sort of understand what he was saying. My mom and him got a, a really good cadence of like the number one on your finger was yes. The number two was no. So you could kind of do codes and in person you could sort of understand him. But over the phone, I could, if he answered the phone when I called, I just, I had no idea what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And so that part just got, became really, yeah, all of it just got bad in the past. I would say the last two years that, and they moved to Indianapolis. He was a veteran. So he was, uh, they moved here for the VA hospital because otherwise they were driving all the way to Iowa city, which was like two and a half hours from our hometown. Um, so that part was really great to be closer to him. But yeah, I think it was, it was hard on everybody. Of course, mostly hard on my mom and being a caretaker all the time. And he couldn't drive anywhere, but she couldn't really leave because she was afraid. I mean, there'd be times like he would be walking down the street and would just fall and Mm. neighbors would call my mom and she's like, well, why were you walking down the street? And he couldn't really remember why. And so, yeah, I just, it, it was, it was bad. It was ugly. And at the very end, I mean, we had had enough time you know, a month and a half or so of just watching it slowly fade that I think everybody was kind of ready as bad as that sounds. But I was in San Francisco for a work conference and we knew we were close, but we just, hospice is really good at knowing like the signs of like Mm -hmm. the final, final. And so uh, my mom called and she's like, they say it's only a day away. And so I hopped on a flight and I landed, got to my parents' house at like 5.30 and he died at 1.30 in the morning. So it was like, mm-hmm. I was really glad I got to be there. My brother was there. So it was also kind of crazy because now when I think of my family, it's my husband and my kid and my brother's wife and their kids. And it was just back to our immediate family and my mom, my dad, my brother and I mm-hmm. all in that house when it happened, which was, it was actually, um, it just felt right. It felt like the right group to be there at that moment. Does your mom still live in Indianapolis? She does. Well, Fishers, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, she does. I don't think I knew that your parents were here. Yeah, they moved here probably five or six years ago. So she's, uh, which has been great. It's great for Penny. It's great to have her. Um, you know, I think she's still trying to figure out what does life look like in this right. new world. And she's doing a great job with it. Um, but I, I can't imagine. It would feel very very lonely, I think. Yeah. I, um, I mentioned to you that Glenn's mom has this MSA, which is, it's a it's a neurological disease. It's kind of like Parkinson's. It's actually really? oftentimes diagnosed as Parkinson's. Oh, I had no idea. Yes. It's called, it's, um, multiple system atrophy. And, um, for two years she was diagnosed with Parkinson's and then none of the medications were working. And, um, yeah. And then two years ago we found out she had MSA, which is, she is kind of on the, path to losing her speech right now oh no which you know it's crazy because she's really she's only into two years of this diagnosis for right. five years into the parkinson's diagnosis so, so it's fast it's fast and it's it's, it's just it's heartbreaking it um, is it's so heartbreaking yeah i'm sure it's hard for your kids too because kids are so perceptive on this stuff yeah and you know what my mother-in-law always says she's like oh i don't want them to remember me as like the sick grandma you know yeah um, That's my, heartbreaking. It is. And my, my oldest is, I think he's, right now he's the only one that really understands that she's sick yeah. because, you know, Lewis is only two. 
when my grandma died, the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around was like the fact that she wasn't going to get to know my kids. Oh, and I'm like, gosh, this is your mom. Like this is yeah, my, right. this is my husband's mother, you know? Right. Right. Um, I think, yeah, that's the hard part. I think when Penny was born, that was the really hard part for me. And what's weird is some of her facial expressions remind me so much of his. And it could be, and I sometimes laugh, I don't know if they actually look alike or if it's just sort of like a baby with no teeth makes really funny facial expressions. And my dad at the end, like his dentures were out. And so he was sort of like an old man with no teeth. So sometimes I think it's that versus them actually looking alike. But there are times that I'm like, you look like your papa. And, you know, I just, I feel like I will just always tell her stories of him. And my, I'm glad my niece and nephew got to know him. Um, but yeah, it's awful. It's awful to think about that. Um, I have to tell you, I think she looks so much like your dad. Oh, I love that you say that. <laughs> that does make me feel really good. I have thought that so many times in your pictures, and I've actually almost yeah. commented and said that, but I was like, would that be weird if I commented? No, no, I love that. It's funny because I don't think she looks like me, but there are times, especially like her eyes and her forehead sort of remind me of him, and I don't know, but I I'm, I love that you say that. Do, because has I do has think, anybody ever told you that? Yeah, my friend Molly says that all the time too. I seriously, like in all of her pictures, I'm like, oh my gosh, she looks so much like her dad. Oh, I Not love her dad, that. your dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, oh gosh. Well, yeah. And you know, it's like people can see all these pictures and, and see what my life look what looks like and your life looks like and think everything looks, you know, pretty. Of course. Um, but gosh, like everybody goes through tragic, heartbreaking situations. And so I always felt like when you posted these pictures of your, or these, um, things about your dad, like I felt this connection, like, you know, this is real serious life. Yeah. When I, I used to blog and I don't anymore, but when I did, I would often blog about him and, you know, my brother and I always talked about how we regret we never had an adult relationship with him. By mm -hmm. the time we were adults, he was too sick. So, yeah. you know, he was never someone we'd come to and talk about our jobs or our families or, you know, go have a beer with. And so we were, I remember writing a blog post about that and it was really honest and raw for me, but my mom was just really unhappy about it. And oh. I think she thought it was... I think she thought it was too much information for the world to mm. uh, digest. It was like, well, you're you're talking about our family here, you know? And I thought, yeah, it's just funny how different people process things in different ways. Where for me, it was kind of cathartic to write. I think for mm -hmm. her, she thought it was, it was a, you know, airing our dirty laundry a little bit too much. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, I think it's very easy for all of us to post these beautiful photos and with filters and we all look really happy and life's really good. And sometimes it's really refreshing to see uh, the realness behind that. And, but there's a fine balance because nobody likes those like vague posts on Facebook about, oh, you know, how horrible somebody's life is going without any detail. Or, knows. <laughs> yeah. Or the super negative people. So it's like, how do you find the balance of realness? And I don't know that any of us have mastered it. Totally. Totally. Well, and that's interesting what you say about your mom, because I always make sure to tread very lightly since this is not my mother. It's my yeah, husband's mother sure. that I'm talking about. So I think one time I put a post of, um, of them, um, on Instagram and I was even just a little bit nervous about that because I didn't want, he has three sisters. I don't want ever sure. want anybody to think that I'm like, you know, it's your tragedy. In. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. I, I read an article, um, a friend of mine whose dad died long before mine, so she was much younger, uh, she posted an article about the hierarchy of grief, mm -hmm. and I thought it was just fascinating, and it's it's been helpful for me because it's basically like the spouse, ha the spouse has the most grief, and then it's the kids or whatever, and so there's been times I've thought 
you know, I kind of need my mom because I miss my dad and I want my mom to make me feel better. But then I have to think like her grief is worse. And so it's more important for me to be there for her because the hierarchy of grief, like it's sort of an interesting concept, um, but it's been helpful. Is that what the book's called? Mm, It's an article. Oh, it's an article. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if I can find that. Yeah. I'll see if I can find it. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Okay. So um, now we have to finish. We have to wrap up with. Yeah. uh, So thank you for sharing about all that, by the way. No, it was a good conversation. You can definitely relate to it all. Totally. Um, In a different way, for sure. Like, and it's just, it goes back to like everybody's grieving differently. Like, it's not my dad. It's not my mom. But yeah, totally. Yeah, but it also is. I mean, it's your husband and it's your kids. And, you know, that's. That is a lot for any family to bear. Trust me. I know that my husband has not had it easy having to, you know, deal with this on his end too, because it's, it's hard for him and it's sad for him, but he has to be the strong one. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not easy for anybody. Totally. Um, okay. So what is one thing personally or professionally that you're like, I have to do this before I die? I would say this marathon on Sunday is <laughs> top of mind uh, for me as to like what I need to do in the foreseeable future. Um, beyond that, gosh, that's a good question. Before I die, you know, I guess I mean, it kind of just goes to travel for me. I just I think I need to just continue to see as much of the world as possible. That being said, I don't have a ton of interest in Asia, which I know that sounds <laughs> awful. But like everyone wants to see all different aspects. I feel like I need to see I really need to do Africa. I need to do more of Europe. I need to do Australia. Um, Africa and a safari sounds like the coolest thing in the world. But my husband claims that you only do that when you're old and retired. I don't know why he has that in his mind. So I need to find somebody else to go to Africa with me. But we'll say Africa, safari, like play with children in schools, you know, do Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the best advice you've ever been given? So the, in sales, um, I I use this all the time, but I remember losing a, a huge deal and just being like gutted. And my boss at the time, Burt Miller, he basically said to me, nothing is ever as good as it seems and nothing is ever as bad as it seems. And that has carried me in my career so much because I think in the lowest of lows when you lose a deal and you think it's awful and you can't survive it, like you realize it's not the worst thing in the world. But when you win a deal and you think, man, I'm on cloud nine, like you got to get back the next day and do it again. And so I think that has helped me. I'm a very emotional person. Um, I think that's helped me be more unemotional in my job, which helps me be a better manager so that if my team is emotional and hair on fire, I can kind of calm them down and I can be the voice of reason. Um, because in my personal life, I'm not that human. I'm the, I'm the emotional one. I'm the one that cries at everything. Um, mostly in an empathetic way, but I think that that has really helped me professionally. I think I've heard someone talk about that with like racing too like don't yeah. let you, don't let your highs get too high and your lows get too low you know don't get a big head about this yeah but if you have a really bad race like it's don't okay be paralyzed by yeah. it yeah absolutely yeah. that's so good um good. what's the best or I just asked you that what if you could have coffee or cocktail with anybody who would it be Oh, Barack Obama in a heartbeat. I just, I, and especially right now, I just, I'd like to get him in a room, get a good bottle of wine and be like, what do you really think about the shit show that is happening in your old house right now? Like, can you please tell me off the record, what on earth are you thinking? But I mean, I think he's just such a fascinating individual. So inspiring. He's from Illinois. He's come to my hometown before. So I just think he's, I thought he was, you know, the president of our generation. And so I know that's probably verging on the ed- edge of like political discussions, but I just think okay. he's, I think he's just fascinating. I'd love to spend as much time with him as possible. But you would choose Barack over Michelle? 
I, I thought about that actually, but yeah, I think I would. Um, I think she's wonderful too. So she'd, she'd be close behind, but I think it'd be like Barack, then Hillary, then Michelle only because I feel like from a professional achievement level, like I'd be really interested in, mm. in what they've done. I don't actually know a lot about Michelle outside of her first ladyism. So yeah. like, I, I know she's been super successful and I think she certainly was as first lady, but you know, when, if she got to choose what she wanted to do versus having to be first lady and uh-huh. make the best of it, I'd be curious about that. So it'd be a good conversation too. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe Michelle could be invited. Maybe you could be like I think I so too. 30 minutes with Barack <laughs> right. and you can come in on the and end of the discussion. <laughs> and then now we're a little tipsy and now the conversation is going to get really good. <laughs> what are you loving right now? Uh, so sewing, oh, which yes. we already talked about. Um, and then the other thing is Amazon prime, which I know is not a unique answer, but I feel like it is like the drunk texting for mothers and I am on Amazon all the time. Like I think if a day goes by and I don't buy something, I'm like trying to figure out what I could buy from Amazon. <laughs> and it's everything from like Diet Coke to paper towels to like the other day I had to like shine some brass and I was like, I need to buy Brasso. Where do I find Brasso? Amazon. Like why go to a store? So Amazon is my it's my jam. The worst part is my entire garage is full of boxes right now and I don't know what to do with them. Well, I am with you. Like I'm about to order some deodorant on Amazon. <laughs> yes. Like, if I take my three kids to Target, I'm gonna spend like nine million dollars and it's yes. gonna take me five hours and I could just order some deodorant on right. Amazon. Or like, you're like, oh, if I was by myself, I'd jump into Walgreens. I'd be back in my car in five minutes. Right. But to take car seat out and drag her around, it's not worth it. Nope. And um, we recently started buying our diaper subscription on Amazon. Do you do that? Yes. Subscribe and save. I mean, you've like mastered parenting way before me. I've been doing it for four <laughs> years. We just started doing this. Like what well, the is problem is me? I forgot to like change it. So I have a box um, of size one diapers. Oh, so yeah. if anybody out there is listening needs a box of size one diapers, they're in my garage right now. Yes. She no longer wears size. I am putting Glenn in charge of the changing of the sizes because I 100% will forget. Yes, me too. Mm-hmm. What? Okay, so Amazon Prime sewing. Um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? So I read, I read a lot, uh, mostly because I read on the treadmill. And so uh, I'm reading a book, which is awesome. I'm reading a book called Confess right now, which is completely different than what I have been reading. I've been reading Holocaust fiction books mm-hmm. for the past year. And I cannot, I like, they were all so good that I had to read another one, even because it was like a different angle. So I read one called The Upstairs Room was my most recent one. Very good. Um, Auschwitz Escape. There's just a million. And so to the point where Josh would be like, you are going to be in depression because these are really depressing books but I found it just absolutely fascinating but I finally decided I needed a break so mm-hmm. I moved to like confess which is sort of a it's not only a romantic book but it's clearly a love story I'm about to finish it I almost finished it this morning on the treadmill I am so glad to talk to someone else who reads on the treadmill because I don't know many anytime I tell people no. that I do that they're like what? we're shocked yes right is yeah. it amazing it is I mean today even I my um Kindle was at work and my iPad was dead, so I read on my phone, which was a little harder. Mm, but I, hard. it was it was smaller. But yeah, I just I think you just get used to it. But back before iPads and Kindles, I bought one of those plastic book racks and I would like bring it with me in my gym bag to every like gym and I would like prop a book open and actually turn the pages. Um, I I just think you get used to it. I think people say it makes them dizzy or sick, but I think you figure it out. And people are, yeah, people say that, well, you, A, you put the font up big, but I'm telling you what, yesterday I did a tempo run. I was not running slow, and I was still reading, and it yeah. was totally fine. 
it's just, to me, it distracts your mind. So, like, otherwise, I'm, I mean, even if I'm not reading, I have to put a towel over the screen or yes. I'm just watching the, like, seconds tick by. Um, but a good book, I mean, I ran 10 miles on the treadmill on Saturday. I know you guys, you do distance all the time yeah. on treadmills. But I it, I did 15 once on a treadmill, and it was, I just had a good book. It was like, okay, I can get through this. Yeah, if I have a book, I'm like, I'm fine. Totally yeah, fine. Right. Book or More than if I watch TV. TV I can do it, but I feel like I uh, I don't know. It's not it's not as engaging to me as reading. Yeah, it doesn't distract me as much from the distance for sure. Exactly. What shows are you guys watching? I just finished Goliath on Amazon oh, Amazon good. with Billy Bob Thornton. So good. Um, and then Sneaky Pete, another one on Amazon, which is a Brian Cranston book or movie show, whatever. <laughs> I'm all into binge watching. So I Same, yes. I do not like space between the shows. I wanna like immediately I don't even wait for like the fourteen seconds for it to like automatically play. I like <laughs> play on its own. So if I can binge watch I will. Um, but I'm also watching Big Little Lies on HBO, which I really like. I read the book uh, but I kind of forgot about it, so I have to wait every week for an episode, which kind of tries my patience, but it's very good. <laughs> okay, I've heard people talking about Big Little Lights. Yeah, it's good. I think you'd like it. It's, I, it's more girly. Like, okay. I don't think guys would like it as much, but it's got good character development. Well, and Sneaky Peak, is it Peak or Pete? Peak? Pete. 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 Like, Sneaky Peter. Pete. I mean, Brian Cranston. Cranston, he's yeah. amazing. He is, yeah. And it's it's really good. I, I think anyone would like that. It's it's a smart show, but there's some humor. Um it kind of, I mean, there's a little Breaking Bad like element to it. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm sure you you watched Breaking Bad, right? Yes, of course, loved it. Is that one of your top five favorite shows of all time? Um, top top in the entire world, entire lifetime is The Wire. I'm mm, obsessed. I've watched really? the entire series twice. Oh my god, I'm just obsessed with it. And then I would say, yeah, I I think um, Breaking Bad is probably in there. It used to say Sopranos is number two, but. It's been so long that I can't really remember why I loved it so much. So I'd have to probably double check. I think Breaking Bad would be at least in the top two or three. Man, you and Glenn have very similar uh, TV tastes. <laughs> yeah. does, does Josh like those shows too? He does. Uh, he does. He didn't love Sopranos as much as I did, but he loved The Wire. Um, he, he's a Lost fan. Like Josh's mm-hmm. whole world mm-hmm. is Lost. So he's watched the series like I can't even tell you how many times. I mean, there's a reason our daughter is named Penny is because she's a character on Lost. Yes, yes. Glenn has tried to get me to rewatch Lost. I'm like, dude, I am not putting that much time into Lost. I can't commit right? that to that again. No. There's too many and other things I, I want to watch. I agree. Plus, like, the first few seasons of Lost were really, really good. And then, to me, it jumped the shark and got a little weird, and that's when I wasn't as interested. Mm-hmm. And so when I tried to rewatch it with him, I quit after, like, those first couple seasons. Man, Glenn would, like, he would give his <laughs> left arm to be married to someone who liked, like, the kind of shows that you like. He and Josh should maybe have a, have a day day dates where they just watch Lost. Well, he has tried to get me to watch The Wire so many times, and oh. I, it's the only problem, I'm sure that it's very good. I think the problem is, is that I always want to multitask, and I need to focus. I need to, like, pay mm, attention sure. to understand what's going on yes. with that one. Yes, I have shows that absolutely, like, The Voice, I can be oh, watching totally. and doing a million things, but, like, Billions, which I really like on Showtime, even if Penny is with me, like, she's so loud at mm-hmm. times that she's just chatting away that I can't hear the dialogue, and so, to your point, yeah, makes it tough. Yeah, I was trying to finish the rest of, uh, and uh, This Is Us episode, which, you know, yes. you can kind of multitask with This Is Us, but you, you want to pay attention yes. because you like it. Absolutely. Um, and I think Russell was making some noises, and I, like, caught myself, like, shushing him, and I'm like, Lindsay, he's five months old. <laughs> yeah, right. He doesn't know that This Is Us is on, but I've done the same thing. I'm like, Penny, just tone it down. Yes. Okay, so do you have three favorite people to follow on social media? 
Yes, I thought about this. So um, on Instagram, Chris Hartley, I actually played soccer with him in our neighborhood league, but he takes the most beautiful photos of Indianapolis. So if anyone's in Indy, he's a really good photographer. Like all of his photos are really pretty, but um, what I like, he's not, he's just unassuming. Like he's just a normal guy in my neighborhood, but he takes gorgeous photos. Um, On Twitter, I'm all into the rogue POTUS staff, which is apparently the people in the White House that do not like Trump. And so they tweet inside information, but like it's really Trump's team has tried to figure out who it is. It's sort of like a mole in the white house. Oh my gosh. It's really fascinating. If it's true, I'm all in, but it always seems like they have inside scoop and they, there's apparently like a bunch of, um, groups that have tried to emulate them, but they claim they're the real one. So whether it's true or not, it's fascinating. I kind of hope it is true. I know, right? Um, and then on Facebook, I'm into Scary Mommy, which I know is like mm-hmm. everybody watches and looks at. Some of the stuff I think is obnoxious, mm-hmm. um, but some of the the articles I just think have like resonated at the right time for me. So I, I can appreciate that. Um, I feel like Glenn just told me that they're getting divorced and her husband's gay. What? Yes. The main, the, well, Scary Mommy has like a bunch of writers, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, I assume so. I thought it was like a BuzzFeed for moms. It is, but there's a creator behind it. Yeah. And oh my I gosh, I need be, to Google this. Yes, Google it. I could be completely wrong, but I swear that Glenn, last night he said, the woman behind Scary Mommies, they're getting divorced and her husband's gay. Are you Googling it right now? Oh my gosh. We could be breaking Mom behind. News yes. That. Mom behind parenting site, Scary Mommy, and husband announced divorce five days ago. Does it say that because he's gay? He reveals he's gay. Okay. Yep. All right. I wonder how long they were married for. Oh, my gosh. This is so... 17 years. Wow. Three kids together. Wow. And apparently, they decided to... They She knew that he was... Oh, sorry. That's... <laughs> Sorry, you heard that. That was uh, some ad on the website. Um, oh, I didn't They know. apparently knew he was gay for 10... Years. Oh, and decided to keep the secret because they loved each other. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, that is new gossip. Yeah, we just had breaking news on the podcast. We did. So many podcasts probably won't go out for like another week. Yeah, Um, Glenn knows like is like the TMZ of Scary Mommy. I know. Anytime I can like, anytime I think I have news, like I think I find something out before him, I get excited. (laughs) You know, and then you realize he knows it. (laughs) <laughs> yes, he's like, oh yeah, I knew that. And he's not even on Twitter anymore because he thinks he's like... I saw that. Yeah, he thinks he's like, he's like, hates the internet. He's too good for Twitter, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, He'll be back. I Well, that's kind of what I thought, too. But it's been almost two months now. And I'm You're still not interested, huh? I'm shocked. I'm shocked. And I don't know. I, I'm always like, you stop being too good, man. Like... <laughs> I like Twitter. I like Instagram. I like Instagram stories. I I think it's fun. Well, I also think you could be on it and not, you know, you don't have to pay attention if you don't want to. Right. Exactly. You, and you, and I said, you know what you could do is if there are certain things that bother you, just like unfollow, start fresh. Yes. Start fresh. Yeah, absolutely. Only follow the accounts and the things that you want to hear about. I will say I did that with Twitter like two years ago. I created a list of the people I actually care about because, you know, I follow like 2,000 people that I don't even know why. Right. And I will say it made a much, much better Twitter experience now that I only look at my list. It feels like it's more intimate. I should do that. Yeah, it helps a lot. Because and I'm- you can add and take people off as they annoy you or you like them, but 
then all the other stuff is still there if I want it, but honestly, I never have time for it. I just like the quick, the quick hits. That's really good because I actually never stay up to date on my feed because I follow too many people. And then I don't want to be the mean person that like unfollows someone because it's not because I don't really like you. It's just that I want to see certain things. Right. Absolutely. Yep. The list helps that for sure. Okay. Okay. Revolutions here. (laughs) Right. Well, I really appreciate you talking to me today. Oh, I appreciate you having me on. This has been really fun. So fun. And um, good luck this weekend. Oh, thanks. I'll need it. But I, I do appreciate your uh, in, insight. That's good. I, you know, I'm going into this very kind of laissez-faire, just need to cross the finish line. So it'll it'll be fine. Well, if you know how to do one thing, you know how to run a marathon and just have fun and enjoy it. So Yeah, I hope so. I you hope understand so. Thank you for that, saying like, that. Yeah, and you understand that like, yeah, it's probably going to hurt at times, but you've yes. done it before. You've you've also uh, been through childbirth, so That's true, right? We can do hard things. <laughs> you can do hard things. Just tell yourself that at mile 22. I'm going to have to. <laughs> Maybe at mile 14. For sure. It's fine. Well, I will see you probably on the Monon or All right, who knows? Why? Maybe. For sure. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. That wraps up this week's episode of I'll Have Another. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Maggie, for coming on the show and sharing your story. Don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave that rating and review to be entered to win a $25 Athletic Annex gift card this week, you guys. Check out my Patreon page for bonus episodes, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. Thank you, Now Foods, and thank you to the Runner's World Women's Getaway for supporting this episode of I'll Have Another Podcast. You guys enjoy your day. Have a great weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.